We jumped to 11.2, now we're back at 11, excuse me, 9.3, the educational master plan update, outline, timeline, and status. Introducing Robert Robin Warnall again. Thank you. Sorry, I'm a little tired right now. Doing my best. Okay, um, so... We are updating the Educational Master Plan, or the EMP, this year as part of our regular evaluation and planning cycle. And um, just in terms of the general approach or structure, um, the EMP uh, update this year is meant to accompany the larger 2013 to 2023 Educational Master Plan. Um, As an update, it is smaller in scope than the 10-year EMP. It also focuses on local uh, trends impacting the college at the institutional level, level, and it is intended to yield a set of recommendations to help inform subsequent uh, planning processes. So one thing that uh, is intended to be a difference between the um, plan from a few years ago and this update is that we're trying to yield recommendations that are specific to Napa Valley College. So you might recall that in the 2013 to 2023 EMP, we identified a series of themes, um, and that is issues that would impact MVC, but they also would impact all of California community colleges in general. So things like student success initiatives, uh, funding or limited resources issues, uh, recent legislation, so think repeatability, student success uh, and support plan, et cetera. Um, the, as I think, um, well, I can't remember if it was Terry or Amanda or both, um, alluded to earlier um, that uh, the um, steering committee for the EMP is the Council of Presidents, so that includes constituent group leaders. And so, uh, well, Amanda said, <laughs> we're losing them. That, well, <laughs> Chris right now is the only constituent group leader in the room, but uh, everyone else was uh, represented earlier in the, in the meeting. Um, and the... Uh, primary reviewing bodies that we identified early on um, as we launched this pro- process in the fall were the EMP steering committee, the planning committee, and then constituent groups. So we were le- uh, relying on the constituent group leaders to um, share information with their respective groups throughout this process. And this is a very uh, general timeline identifying the activities that have been either completed, underway, or some projected deadlines. Um, and there is a more detailed timeline that I update regularly that includes meeting dates and opportunities for discussion. Um, But in September and October, we launched the steering committee and we communicated the approach that is the outline that we had planned for um, this process, and we communicated that to both the steering committee and the college planning committee. Uh, In October and December, we um, compiled data and analysis, so this is where I thank Chris Farmer, who... um, compiled the data and helped me with the analysis. And um, that data has been shared with, or was shared in October through December with the steering committee, and they discussed it. And then we also distributed the information among those primary reviewing bodies that I identified before. Um, the, the steering committee, ha- I should note, has been meeting regularly since October. I think we've had at least two meetings every month. Um, between January and February, uh, we drafted some recommendations, and that was by a subcommittee consisting of Amanda Badgett, Chris Farmer, and myself. Um, and what we had originally thought, planned to be recommendations have really kind of shaped up to be 
structured around challenges and then associated strategies to help address some of those challenges. And all of those are linked directly to the data that's included in the EMP update uh, with a, a crosswalk provided. And I, I should say that the recommendations, um, <laughs> since that those came out between the board agenda and um, your agenda for tonight, um, we will share the draft recommendations with you uh, at the next meeting. So. Uh, as the steering committee has discussed the data and the process for communicating the plan components to the campus community, they have suggested that additional time be provided for more widespread discussion of the data across the campus community. So that identified, um, so they, in that process, they identified a need for really engaging with the data and so not just distributing it or kind of pushing it out to the constituent groups, but really providing opportunity to discuss it, present it, um, and again, engage with it. So part of the update tonight is intended to ensure that you as board members get the opportunity also to engage with the data and be part of that process. Um, so in connection with the request from the steering committee, we have also expanded the review to include other groups of stakeholders or committees on campus. So again, that's beyond the steering committee, the planning committee, and then pushing it out to constituent groups, um, although everyone is covered by the constituent groups. But the idea is to provide an opportunity for different discussions among different groups of individuals um, to occur across the institution. And that includes the senates, uh, the area councils, and various faculty groups, including at the division level. Uh, Terry, Chris, and I have been attending meetings across the institution. Uh, I'll say that we met with the ASMVC last month for approximately an hour. I will say we have a very engaged group of students in the ASMVC this year. I think there were about 18 in the room at various times. That's all right. Yeah, so, um, so that was really nice to see. They had a lot of very informed questions. Um, and the EMP is really providing an opportunity, I think, across the institution to, for us to have increasing familiarity with the data and um, how to apply it toward planning and decision-making processes. So I think it's a real you know, kind of cultural shift that's occurring and that people are getting used to consuming um, data for different purposes. Um, so as described here, we are planning to have a complete draft of the EMP to circulate among the campus community um, around the end of February. At the end of March, we'll have a final draft um, of the update that will then um, go to at least the Academic Senate for approval, and we're aiming for the April board meeting for your approval of the document. So that's the goal. Um, I will point out that, the as I kind of alluded to before, the timeline is a work in progress, and I uh, update it pretty regularly just to keep track of, of all the meetings that we're having. Um, as I mentioned before, the original scope was to focus on institutional-level uh, trends. However, uh, what we've identified is there's also a need for some program-level information to be included, and that's particularly to help prepare for subsequent planning steps and um, the big uh, next step will be the uh, facilities master plan or the FMP. So the steering committee, um, as recently as this week, has been discussing this need and possible solutions or ways, ways to address how to um, incorporating that time for program level dialogue and identifying needs and particularly related to facilities uh, and equipment and technology. So at the meeting this week, the steering committee decided that a bridge document would be developed between the EMP and the FMP, and that's where the program and service level information will be incorporated. Um, so dialogue at the program level will occur parallel to the EMP wrapping up or being finalized over the next two months, so we're, we're rolling that out um, before the uh, EMP is finalized. 
Um, so this slide outlines the data that's included in the EMP and the packet that was provided as backup material for you at this meeting tonight. And as I mentioned earlier, this is an opportunity for the board to interact or engage with the data. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have, and I'm sure the same goes for Chris and Terry. Uh, and can we get the data packet? Is some of the dialogue that's happening right now, all that's getting pulled up, does it involve any of this, you know, with Kennedy Park? Some of these other developments that are happening with the campus, is that being incorporated into the discussion? And so um, not at this point. So it's really the data, the data that's included in the update here is really what's driving everything in terms of the challenges and the strategies to date. Um, I will say, I meant to say this earlier, sorry, is that um, when I mentioned next steps in the FMP, the, the EMP is certainly one of the guiding documents in a first step, but it's not the only thing that's going to drive things like the facilities master plan and identifying um, additional needs in terms of resources so that, you know, there are other institutional plans that are in place. Um, I know, for instance, Oscar has had um, questions about where does the, the service level information get incorporated, and certainly the existing SSSP is another source document that will be folded into that process. I'm just yes, wondering that, um, so I, I love the part, the labor market um, demand study, the EMSI, and um, I was just wondering how that data is going to be used, um, because I noticed in the introduction it did talk about that this data was going to be used, you know, to look at um, also program development. I'm wondering, is there any plan to use any of that data in terms of targeting new, potential new programs? Uh, yes, so that's been um, folded into um, the challenges and the strategies. And one thing is that um, conducting, a, well, using this information to then identify what courses or programs we currently offer, and there might be some repackaging of existing courses. So an example, and I haven't looked at the detail of the requirements for a market research analyst, but I could imagine that it might involve a combination of business classes, maybe our social science research uh, classes, and some others that could be clustered together in a way that they aren't right now to help address that labor market demand. So it could be um, additional curriculum development, but it also could be um, kind of on a faster track um, by repackaging or rebranding some of what we already have. It, so no, there, so no new programs would be considered so so, so, so point definitely see. it could be but the what the EMP the way it's shaping up to be it's very general again institutional level challenges and then some examples of strategies that will be um, pursued in the coming months and years to address those so they're not specifically uh, there isn't anything as specific as develop a market research analyst degree it's instead you know repackage rebrand review curriculum etc just um when I was looking at that, I just kind of made some notes of, I don't know, just to put some things on the radar, I noticed um, the massage therapist. I know there's only, I think, two community colleges in the state that offer a massage therapy certificate, but and there's none in this area that I'm aware of. I think Monterey is the closest. Um, and the local massage school, Lifestream, closed. So there's only one private school in Napa, and we have a lot of spas. Um, so I, anyway, I just I kind of 
start that one. I also noticed um, firefighters. I know we've all had discussions about a fire training program, and we've questioned if there were jobs available, but that, that one came up um, in that study. Um, and I know in the past we haven't offered that because Solano Community College offered it, but they don't anymore. Um, only Santa Rosa does. And I had talked to um, Supervisor Caldwell a while back, and he had mentioned that um, th- we have a state-of-the-art training facility off of Sil- Silverado Trail, Rector Dam, um, and he had mentioned there could be a potential partnership here. Um, as far as us using it, he said it's way better than what Santa Rosa JC has. Um, and with Solano not offering it, there could be a good argument for us offering that program at their training site. So anyway, just want to just put those two things out there. Oh, and actually also um, the nursing assistant, medical assistant. I know those are offered at Napa Valley Adult Education, but... I don't know if there's any chance we could wrestle those away from them and bring them over here. I just wanted to go ahead and, and thank uh, Dr. Wernall and uh, Mr. Farmer for uh, coming to ASNBC and sharing the report with us because um, we tend to not have a lot of information on these larger documents and we tend to be confused. But, um, well, thank you for making it so easy to understand. Uh, we all well, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, that, that's um, Chris, kudos to Chris for that, but I, I do think, at least from my perspective, it's been one of the highlights of this um, month long, months long process. <laughs> so, just real quick, how many of these uh, jobs would fit into career t- technical programs? I mean, I know that's a pretty broad question, but yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Just um, <laughs> looking at the tiny, tiny font here. Um, so some of our existing ones, I mean, the nursing assistants, medical assistants could be related to some of our health occupations classes, although we don't necessarily have, again, it's not um, structured maybe exactly that way. Um, a lot of our business classes would cover, I mean, we do have accounting classes, so it's a matter of either, you know, uh, marketing that better or um, maybe expanding some of the offerings if they aren't aligned perfectly with um, the anticipated needs. I think it'd be nice to try and flush out some of that information because I think with the goal of getting some more of our or more of our high school students into community colleges, I think career technical programs is going to be a huge area. Yeah, and so that will again be you know part of the next steps, and then drilling down among you know the faculty experts um, to, why, to why see what the uh, why doesn't Terry tell us how this happens? Well, Diana is actually counting the list over there because she is um, associated <laughs> with uh, doing what matters, so she knows that. But, but um, probably most of what's listed here would fall under CTE. So some of the some of the ones like um, I'm not sure, like mark, marketing research manager or marketing specialist. I think you know those would fall more under business and the like. And I'm not sure those. What's that? Microphone, right. please. Yeah, I can't hear you. You, you use your microphone. Yeah, so 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 many of those would fall under career technical education, and so, um, uh, but but yeah, I mean, so you know, we we would have to work that through, and and the I guess the advantage of that is that there are, is funding available through both the state and the federal government through FATIA for the federal government, and then um, the doing what matters. Actually, there's a lot of money that's coming through there, and that money is probably going to increase as. As a, it's it's not going to go away for a while, and there's a good chance that it will increase. So um, my question was the how-to. Uh, you know, Amy may not understand the process 
length of time it takes to refer a program. That's so, what I would so, say. Or, or file either. Right. So, so it depends on the program. The college has a process for um, uh, developing new programs that starts with a, basically a small committee that includes the VPI, the Academic Senate President, the curriculum chair, uh, faculty in the area, and the dean or division chair over those areas to kind of start that conversation. Um, data is an important part of that. So the labor market data is a real important for anything that, that falls under the career technical aspect of that. Um, and, and, and then also looking at the resources that are needed to develop that, which include facilities, equipment, instructional supplies, teachers, um, uh, instructional assistants, um, and, and so a whole gamut of different things that, that have to be considered before the district would commit to moving that through the process. Um, once, once a decision is made that, that we want to develop that and move it through the process, then a big part of it is um, the curriculum process, um, uh, looking at can we take curriculum that we have and just repackage it, or do we have to develop new curriculum? And so if there are courses that need to be developed, those have to go through the process. Um, packaging those in a program that then also has to go through that process if it is career technical education, besides our local process, it also requires that we go through the the um, uh, the, the CTE consortium. So it's a, uh, the Bay Area consortium that we are part of. And what that means is that we have to also provide that group with data um, and basically uh, get support from other colleges in the region that there's a need for that program and that we're not competing with th their programs um, in supplying that uh, that need. Um, and then once it does all of that, it would come to the board uh, for your approval and then goes to the chancellor's office. And and so that whole, in, in our, um, I, I think it's an academic reg, but I'm not sure it might actually still be in an old board policy. Yeah, it, it indicates that it could take up to two years to do that whole thing in developing it. Um, it it's my hope that we could, if we decide to go after particular programs, that we can do it quicker than two years. Um, but the other part of it that's an important part that I touched on was looking at the resources that are necessary. And so, so there are conversations about some programs that actually might require significant renovation to facilities, and, and those probably would take longer than that because of the amount of money that might be needed to, um, to develop facilities basically to support the programs. And along a similar line, I would refer you actually to the final page um, of the um, the packet that you received, and there will be a company narrative that goes with this. But um, what this scatter plot shows is on the, along the x-axis is the fill rate of uh, the, of um, programs uh, among our instructional programs. So uh, you can see that the median's around eighty-four uh, percent. Thank you, Chris. And so that's the, what the vertical line imposed on the graph uh, represents. And then on the y-axis, uh, we've um, plotted the productivity levels. So that's the full-time equivalent faculty, or sorry, full-time equivalent students per full-time equivalent faculty. And so each of the data points represents um, the the one instructional program. Um, and so as you kind of move from left to right and um, diagonal across the graph. The uh, ones in the top right-hand corner tend to be our large 
lecture classes or, or disciplines that have large, or they can have high fill rates and they can have high productivity levels. Again, that ratio of full-time equivalent students to full-time equivalent faculty. I think part of the issue, and what, what's exciting to me about this graph, and I'm sure Terry and others might want to chime in about it, but if we can start to frame some of our decision-making and, and um, use this as part of the information that we fold into that, um, some of the programs and maybe some of the ones that you mentioned, Amy, are um, tend to be uh, high cost in the sense that you can't increase the fill rate because for things like the health occupations, they're very strict external requirements in terms of the ratio of faculty to students and making sure that students get training and appropriate supervision um, so that they can go out into the workforce. So some of those, not all, but some of the health occupations or those ones that have external constraints placed on them are in the lower left-hand part of the graph. So if we're going to consider um, increasing unique specialized programs like that that don't have the growth capacity of large lecture classes, then there really should be some kind of balance between, okay, we're going to channel resources into this um, very specialized program that has that's relatively high cost, but then we're going to need to also provide some additional resources to create some balance. And in my, um, I think, roughly 13 years at the college, I don't know if we've ever made decisions kind of that were balanced and in incorporating how everything fits together um, that way. So I guess that should be a goal. Maybe. Because it'd be nice to be able to do rank some of the programs as far as you know, the necessity and how long it's going to take to, you know, get them rolling. Two years is a long time, especially with, you know, kids graduating and everything else. So if there is a way to cut through the bureaucracy of it sometimes, the red tape that's always necessary, like maybe... Um, it's not, it's our- not so much, Kyle, the, well, I should, the red tape. I mean, the chancellor's office, it always is. It's collecting the data. It's right. and Can the we data do that to show. Well, we do? so we do the data, and it doesn't show that we have that demo, you know with the uh, with the needs and for the program it works. Years ago, when we built that health occupations building, dental hygiene was the big thing, and there wasn't a dental hygiene close to us, and there still isn't really. Diablo, I think, but. And, and we, the facility was built, but we didn't have the revenue to put all the equipment in it that was needed and some of the other expense related to it. So that's, you know, the vocational programs, I totally agree with here where it's at, but the planning, it's a year just to figure out whether it's something that our demographics will, uh, would train in. However, I, just, I would I would I would like to say though that with some of these occupations, the shelf life isn't that long because uh, being in the job market every day, I know what it's like to see here's what's hot today and what's not a year from now, um, and how that demand and also with our conversations on the workforce investment board, how quick these things can change so we can get a program implemented and, um, you know, within no time, that's not the thing anymore. Um, So how do we, you know, how do we also look at, you know, what's the 
what's the trend versus what is something that's going to be sustainable for us? That's what I was hoping to say with my question is more, can we do that as we're doing the educational master plan, like focusing on some of these that maybe won't take as long to get through the planning process. I think that that was what we mean by repackaging or remarketing what we have. Um, I do know, and I'm sure Terry has comments about this as well, but the the way Terry presents this scatter plot is that each one of those data points represents uh, a conversation that needs to occur among faculty about, you know, the direction and how can we move some of those um, up to the further right? What what kind of strategies can we um, use to increase fill rates um, etc. Uh, I, I would build on what Terry said and say it, I think that that represents at least one conversation among each of those um, groups of faculty. The chair recognized. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so I, I mean, I, actually, I mean, this diagram is is a very complicated diagram. It, it's one that. Um, in the conversations that I've been involved with it, you, you have to spend some time helping people understand what this shows and what this data means. Um, and, and so, so I mean, it, it has stimulated some great conversation. It, it also is a type of data that, if you don't understand it, can also cause a little bit of concern and, and actually fear in data because, because, for example, part of the way Robin just presented it is that she pointed out that that upper sextant, these aren't quadrants, they're sextants because there are six, um, or hextants, I actually, is the correct term. Um, that, that upper one, you, you would say, is a good group because they are above the, the productivity target. They are also on the, the right side of the fill rate, um, median fill rate. Um, but, but, but those also, in most cases, are the lower cost programs that, that allow you to basically have higher enrollments w- without a lot of lab space, without a lot of equipment, without special, um, uh, without, without special labs, et cetera. Um, and they also are um, the programs that help allow the college to be a comprehensive college that has the things that are in that bottom larger area that are below the median productivity line and on the on the wrong side of the median fill rate but but those are very important programs to what we do the the uh, you know I'll, I'll identify the circle that's that's near near the 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 uh, median fill rate line but but go down all, all the way down the one at the bottom that but but is really a, a low one that that is our learns diagnostic class that we must have because we we must um, serve uh, disabled students and and put them in the right programs that they belong. We're not doing away with that low cluster group, even though it it looks like it's like oh my god, why why would we have that? Because it's very non-productive, but it serves a very important population, and so it's something that we have. And so that's why the, when I say that every one of these is a conversation, they are. Everyone. The other thing to indicate is that at the 100% fill rate, which is kind of that, that cluster, that group of them that is on the far end, up and down, th- those, those are clusters of classes that are at 100% fill. In other words, we can't put any more students in those classes, so the only way you can do anything with those clusters of programs is to offer more classes. Um, and, and because they're at 100% fill, that maybe isn't such a bad idea because there's a high demand for those. Students want those. If you do that, what it does is it shifts everything upward in productivity because if you fill a class 
or a cluster of classes at 100%, that moves, that makes everything in the college more productive. If you look at everything that's not on that 100% fill and you increase the fill rate by marketing, by scheduling appropriately, by attracting students we don't have, it helps move everything on a diagonal upward, and so that helps. And so, again, I, I, you know, I'm sorry I am giving you more information about data than you might care about, but, but those are important reasons why there has to be conversation around this data. We have to spend time. We have to engage people around this data. Um, I've been criticized for being too green and not blue enough. Um, I have loved these conversations because it's forcing those that are blue to be more green so that they can understand the analytics of this data. And that, many, and that was directed directly at um, Amanda Badgett, who is more <laughs> blue than green. Diana, you have a Yeah, comment? actually, um, without my union hat, do you want me to change spots? Um, so I am actually working, doing, in addition to my day job here, I work for Vontan Quinlevon, and I'm the technical assistance provider for curriculum. And in that, let me just say, first, at Napa, I have no recollection of a course or a program ever taking two years. And her goal is that curriculum and CTE programs takes three months. Well, I'll just tell you, that's lofty. But one of the things that I am tasked with doing is getting a streamlined um, process with our regional consortia. And that's the groups that process the programs once the college kind of puts it together and has to approve it. So, and there is are multiple sources of data out there. But the goal of the chancellor's office is that CTE programs are approved at a quicker rate. And if you read the workforce task force recommendations, it actually talks about shifting some of the control to a more regional level. And so that all has to be worked out with processes and policies. But, but the goal is quicker. And, and I will tell you, at Napa, we have actually done a really good job in the last few years. I got a program through here and up to the chancellor's office in like two months. So there are ways to do it quicker. And the um, Centers for Excellence that gets us all of our data and helps us with that around are really excellent at um, finding the supporting documentation that we need to support the labor market need to get the programs processed at a quicker rate. And I'm not very articulate because I'm actually really tired, but I think that, that, that there is so much money coming right now for CTE. Um, I think it's projected like $200 million a year of continuing funds. And, and a lot of it is being dedicated to emerging programs and industries and um, to existing sectors that are high-yield, high-need um, sectors um, in CTE. So CTE is the way to go. No, I'm just kidding. So that's... It is, though. Really. How many of these would be interesting to look at? And then I'm done. I'll be quiet. How many of these classes up in this upper right text in would qualify for distance education? Or could we fill through distance education? Uh, so, so actually, I mean, throughout this diagram, there are programs that could benefit from, from distance ed, not just in that upper one. And, and I would actually argue that we should probably be looking more at distance ed for ones that aren't in that, that quadrant because they're, they're programs that could benefit by expanding um, the accessibility to uh, other areas away from where we are right here in Napa that could benefit from that. 
Um, the key there with distance ed um, is to be able to provide those students with the support that they need to be successful. And, and that's part of that other recommendation um, that talks about our ability to support student, not, I'm sorry, not one of the recommendations in the letter, but one of the priorities that you all approved earlier is, is helping to support those students to, to um, be successful when they're not here and have the ability to walk into the writing center or the math lab or some other way of support. So how can we benefit that? And, and we're working on that, and, and we've made progress in that, and, and we'll continue to do that. And so, so that, again, is why I say that each one's a conversation, because it's really looking at, at every one of these clusters of programs and asking that question, could we offer some of these classes online? Could, could we develop programs to support online students so that they can be successful um, so that we could improve the the productivity of these classes and the success of students, which is not on this diagram at all. There's nothing on this diagram that's about supporting student success, and and but that's an important part of it is that the students that are enrolled in these programs who want to be successful. So what can we do to help support that? Let's hear from a student. Um, I had two questions. Um, well, the first one was if we're looking at um, developing a new program, whether it be CTE or Another designation, sorry, I don't know, yeah. Um, what, what is the funding, or where can we draw from funding? Does it, does it have to come purely from our general fund, or is there federal grants, or is there private organizations that will help fund that program? And then my second question, I believe Diana covered it a little bit, but, um, or actually, no, sorry, that was the first one. Um, the second one is, um, if we have, and I'm not, I don't want to imply that I support cutting programs or anything, but what does the process look like, look like for cutting programs that aren't necessarily filling and have a low productivity rate? Um, what did, I'm just trying to learn something here. Do you want to take that or you want me to? I, I, well, I, I, for the second question, and then I think Terry will want to chime in on both, is uh, we do have a program discontinuance policy that lays out a process and so it begins with a, a very in-depth analysis, and the, the policy identifies data that's reviewed. It, it um, identifies the structure of the committee that conducts the review. Um, it's coordinated by the vice president of instruction, um, who, also, who chairs the committee. And um, following that review, which includes the uh, faculty that are associated with the program, an opportunity for in, to interview um, that individual or those individuals, then the um, committee... Uh, works with the VPI, and the VPI makes a recommendation to the board. We have used that policy um, to, or we have, I guess, put that in motion a couple times in recent years. Uh, one did lead to the uh, program discontinuance of our broadcast television engineering program. And uh, then more recently, we also um, formed the committee, conducted the review uh, in association with digital design, graphics technology, and that did not yield a recommendation to discontinue. And, and in regard to your uh, the first part of your question about funding for that, um, it comes from it can come from uh, multiple sources. It can come from grants, things like the HSI STEM grant. It, it can come a lot from what Diana was talking about in regard to the doing what matters and the CTE funds. And in fact, that you know we we have uh, um, garnished funds from that to to look at various programs and and to also help in pathways to those programs. So the Career Pathway Trust. Uh, funds that we have um, to help uh, build, build pathways from our high schools into our programs. Uh, we have CT enhancement funds that is coming from the Doing What Matters that Diana's talking about, and that's the money that she's talking 
mentioned that will continue from the state and, and will probably grow from the state in, in the next couple of years. Um, and so those are all uh, um, monies that, that basically help protect us not having to use general fund monies to develop programs. And so there's lots of different places that those funds can come from. Thank you. Can I just ask one last question of you, Terry? Do you have somebody in instruction that specifically works on the, on the CTE issue for new programs or classes? Or When you say um, someone from, and so, so, so yes, her, um, and um, but but yeah, uh, I mean obviously there are. Um, I, I mean this is this is something that falls under uh, Bertaloid in uh, economic and, and um, workforce at the college in in looking at directing monies both to existing programs, uh, monies that comes from FATIA as well as the career pathways and the CT enhancement funds. Um, there are faculty in areas that also have interest in working with this. Um, uh, um, our new hospitality instructor is involved actually right now in looking at ways to to expand our hospitality program, uh, looking at possible other programs that would fall under hospitality. Um, and and so um, uh, and then, you know, in health Oc, actually that that one of the things on that list that include the CNA as um, um, as as well as uh, having bridges from the paramedic program to the associate degree nursing program. Um, uh, Bob Harris and I are, are working with Janice Inkerman in regard to um, uh, some possibilities in that. Um, um, it was mentioned earlier, the connection with uh, the adult ed program here. Um, uh, and and the, so the AEBG funds that we have are, are looking at some of the aspects of that. And so, so there's a number of projects actually that are going on right now with funding um, that we already have in place to continue work in that okay. regard. So the answer was yes. The answer is yes. Amy, Sorry. go ahead, please. Amanda, did you want to say something first? Okay. Okay. Um, I guess cause it sounds like we're all agreeing that CTE is where it's at. And so I'm just wondering, I mean, dental hygiene is obviously very expensive, but I'm wondering if certain programs that are low cost and especially if they would be kind of an expansion of what the college is already doing, um, like we have a nursing program, but so nursing assistant would be like a natural pathway to a nursing um, program, or we have the EMT paramedic firefighter is the extension of that. It would be part of the pathway. So I'm just wondering, you know, maybe certain ones could be targeted that are kind of a natural fit with what you're already doing, but it would still bring in a new program that be a natural fit of, you know, part of a career pathway and would be low cost. I just wanted to comment on the uh, comment on the comment that CT's where it at is where it at where it's at. I'm getting tired too. Um, one thing that we should understand one limitation of that market data that we put up there is you'll notice the line is drawn at bachelor's degree. So a lot of the jobs that require a bachelor's degree traditionally as the entry level education are more vocationally driven. What that's missing is Anything, particularly in STEM, that would be a master's degree, it'd be missing lawyers, it'd be missing things that would require MBAs. So I understand that CT is where it's at, and that's probably more towards that's more towards the mission of a community college. But I don't want to lose sight of some of our broader academic programs as well. Just just to throw that extra little nugget in there. And actually, could I just make a comment? I changed my mind. Yes, Amanda, go ahead, please. <laughs> um, I would just want 
to remind everyone that um, curriculum is the purview of faculty. And while it, it is useful to start speculating about programs, that is ultimately that conversation and those decisions. And yeah, sometimes what seems like a tedious process is an important way that this college and all the colleges in the state build their, community colleges build their curriculum. So um, just to echo what Joanne said, it is, sometimes it seems kind of stodgy and time-consuming, but it is important that if we add a program, there is sufficient resources, that we have sufficient facilities, that especially at a time like this, we don't want to upload something that we simply can't maintain. Just wanted to. And, and if I could just add to both what Chris said and what Amanda said and, and what has been said um, through here, um, curriculum, yes, it is a faculty, very much under faculty. Um, the, you, we, we had earlier today a, a meeting um, involved in looking at the possibility of some new programs. Um, and it's important to note that in that meeting, there were three faculty, the academic senate president, the curriculum chair, as well as the faculty in the area. Um, and so it's very important that that's happening. Um, in regard to what Chris said, a, a number of things on here, as well as um, uh, both academic programs, as well as career technical education programs, the idea of, of um, having both certificates and associate degrees and associate degrees that lead toward transfer, whether it's a transfer degree or not, um, is a very important part of that. And, and many of those areas that um, have work that require either a bachelor's degree or a master's degree are something that we should be quite aware of. And we should be helping students advance to that level if that's their desire, that, that we shouldn't just be looking at an associate degree. We, we should be developing programs that would allow them to transfer um, to a bachelor's or beyond. And so that's all an important part of the conversations that need to happen around um, this data. Thank you, Robin, for this report. I enjoyed looking through it. So, Thank you very much. Consent calendar, 10.0. There are several items here. We can either take them I'll together. Move, or one I'll move calendar. Here a second. Proven properly seconded. Uh, is there any discussion? I just need to pull the warrants. All right, we'll pull the warrants. Uh, which is? Oh, uh, what? No, just, yeah, 10.1.1. I just had a question. All right, I'm going to vote on 10.2, uh, 10.3. Does the, the uh, motion and the second still apply? Does that include uh, it all? Oh, no, never mind. Does that still apply on the first and the second? Yes. All those in so, favor? Oh, wait, sorry, is the, is the quarterly financial report on that, or is that? An action item, or that's another action item. Okay. So we're voting on ten two and ten through. We have a, uh, a motion and a second. Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. Motion carries. Let's direct our attention to ten point one point one on the warrants. Question, please. Yeah, I, I just wondered if there was a mistake on the warrants. I I emailed this to Ron earlier. Um, I think he was looking into it. It looked like the EMSI um, contract that we approved was on the document twice. Um, once on page 22 and once on page 46 for the $15,000 that we approved for the EMSI study that was in the document that we just looked at. 
So we actually had two contracts, um, and and these are two separate payments on two different contracts. So the first one was a fifteen thousand dollar contract. It's for uh, analyst renewal, so it was two at seven thousand five hundred dollars each. The second uh, contract is actually a twenty thousand dollar contract. This is a payment of fifteen thousand on that, and it's uh, for EMSI to do an economic impact study. So uh, they actually represent payments on two different contracts. Does that satisfy your question? Yeah, and then I just wondered, um, I was just curious um, what the payment was to Cavaris for $53,000. Sure. I'm just curious because it's yes. a big number. It's, it is a big number. That's <laughs> right. And it actually represents a pretty big step forward in uh, our establishment of a disaster recovery plan for, for the college. What it represents is that it's the purchase of a Barracuda backup system. And so what it allows us to do, it backs up all of our data, our colleague ERP system, our uh, email, our all of our web applications, Blackboard. Everything is backed up locally, but then it's also backed up through the cloud in a remote location so that if we should have a disaster and lose our data, our data is stored off-site. So it's a pretty important step for us, and it was budgeted in the uh, uh, institutional technology budget for this year. Thank you. Move approval of 10.1.1. Move and properly second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much, Mr. Parker. We're looking at uh, changes to the curriculum under 11.1. Move approval. Any discussion on 11.1? Been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Moving on to uh, 11.3, Academic Personnel Status Department. Move to approve. Oh, you already did. Second. Moved and properly second. Any discussion on 11.3? All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 11.4, we have a budget update and financial statements, uh, which includes two parts, quarter ending December 31st, 2015, and income expenditures for the quarter ending 2013, 2031-15. We're glad. Yeah. I guess that's me. So, yes. so first of all, the um, the uh, first statement, which is the uh, required uh, filing with the state chancellor's office, R three eleven, and that strictly represents our uh, general fund unrestricted activity for the quarter ended December thirty first of twenty fifteen. Uh, the second set of statements is a set of full statements for all of our funds. And uh, I would draw your attention to just the, the first page number two, which is actually the first uh, statement that covers all of, the, uh, all of the funds or summarizes all of the funds for the district. And if you look at, um, if we can, no, no. So I've, I've moved on to this one. Thank you. If we can scroll down to the bottom uh, if you look at that second column, the revised budget for 15-16, you'll see that 
we are currently predicting, as of the end of December, we're predicting a rather small deficit of $367,000. If you looked at the similar statement that was presented for the quarter ended September 30th, which you reviewed and accepted at the November 12th board meeting, that number was 1.8, almost 1.9 million. And so there have been some significant changes in that time period. We've seen increased uh, funding for triple SP and the uh, student equity program. And we also got some additional apportionment funding, which was not in our original budget. So we are much closer to projecting a uh, balance at the end of the year. And with some uh, cost containment measures, we feel fairly confident that we will end the year in uh, good financial standing. Move approval. Second. Is this for 11.4.1? And two. And two. All right. And a, a second holds for that, Gabriel? You had your hand up first. Oh, um, I, I'd ask Ron, you said you were going to go over. I was wondering the Menlo property, um, if that's gone through, and I was looking in the capital outlay. I just was wondering, is the first payment, you said it was going to come through in two payments, and I was wondering if the first one it was reflected here or not yet. Or I'll have to check with Bob, and he checked right. with Glenna. I don't think it has been yet. The first payment has not been received yet, and so we'll be following up. Um, uh, next week to, to see what the timing of that payment is. But the one payment was to be received in the current fiscal year and then the second payment in next fiscal year. And then just because I'm still learning about budgets and where things are, where where would um, like the reimbursements like from like DAS and the foundation and where would they be in here? So they would be, we'd see them in general fund unrestricted, and we would see them under uh, local income. So other local income is where we'd reflect that on the financial statements. Okay, thank you. All right, it's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 11.4 carries. Thank you very much. Um, moving to 11.7 as we've... Uh, Move approval. Second. Second. It's moved and properly seconded. Uh, do we have any discussion on the RFI for the Upper Valley Campus? Call for the question then. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Carly. Opposed? Motion carries on 11.7. Um, eleven nine resolution to eliminate vacant administrative and classified positions. Move approval. Second. Any discussion for those listing at home? This eliminates several vacant positions uh, listed in the notes. Any discussion? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. Um, do I need a no roll call necessary. Very good. Eleven uh, ten resolution authorizing. Move to approve. Trustee absence. <laughs> approved and properly seconded. Uh, any discussion on this at all? No discussion. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Motion carries. <coughs> We're on the board reports. Twelve point one. 
point one, the Better Culture Winery Foundation, Board of Directors, I'll turn it over to Rafael Rios. Okay, so we did have a meeting um, about a week ago, and um, Bill Hardy was here. He spoke a little bit about some of the exciting things that are starting to, to happen or, or might happen with the foundation and uh, possible development of a wine center. Uh, and he did speak to some of the needs um, that uh, we discussed in our meeting and I think one of the things he didn't mention is that kind of the winery is out of space. You know, they, they need more um, storage space um, in order to, to actually do the winemaking. They're moving everything that's in there around constantly to be able to get to the tanks and, and everything else, um, not to mention the offices and, and just the instructional uh, space. So that's kind of exciting to see if, if we're able to move forward with the foundation on that. Um, uh, there was uh, the Whole Foods from the um, the donation from Whole Foods that we were getting from the day that they uh, committed the, their profits to the college was $5,000. Um, so that was good. Um, the There was, a, oh yeah, and I don't, I think it was in the media report or whatever we we uh, call it now <laughs> from uh, Doug Ernst that I don't know if it was if everybody saw that that the 2013 Pinot uh, earned a double gold at the San Francisco International so um, program continues to do great things um, which I think can just help in, in garnering that support from the community that uh, Bill was talking about um, a lot of um, energy being put into, you know, continuing and growing the sales. Um, and uh, what am I forgetting? I don't know. Yes, there will be something down there. I think they were trying to um, coordinate that. But I'm, do you know the date at all? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I I can't recall anything that is different than that. Okay, so that's it. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, Raphael. The uh, 12.1.2 McPherson Distinguished Teaching Award Selection Committee. Martin says she's shaking her head. So. No, do, do we have a date? To when's the deadline for the applications? I don't know the deadline. I can tell you that the application period is currently open. Um, there are flyers and uh, packets for people to um, submit um, uh, to that, the McPherson Award, um, and uh, there's marketing that's occurring right now to encourage uh, um, staff, faculty, students to submit um, candidates for that award. Um, I Sorry that I don't know the date that that closes. But. It's uh, March 11th. Thank you. I, did, I, get, I got a question um, regarding non-credit faculty and why they're not eligible, if that was the terms of the... So that question did come up, and I couldn't answer it. So um, the, McPherson, um, the, the McPherson Award actually is based on a donation to the college um, and the uh, original um, 
the the original aspect of that that it was originally only for full time faculty. Um, we've had conversations with the family in regard to expanding that in recent years. Part time faculty were added to that, um, but non credit and and positions such as the uh, the cooking school are not part of that. Um, I will uh, reach out to the family in regard to the possibility of expanding that in future years, but at this point, it's just full-time and part-time faculty. Thank you very much. Uh, 12.1.3, Redevelopment Oversight Committee. Nope, I gave a report last month. We don't meet again. We meet about every three months. So. Very good. 12.1.4, <coughs> the Legislative Affairs Committee. We did not meet since last the 12.1.5, the Audit Committee. Ditto. Ditto. That <laughs> translates to... 12.2, the Ad Hoc Committee reports uh, the Foundation We do. Um, I guess I can... I can yeah, Dan, would you like to? Yeah. Um, Bill Hardy had a, a draft MOU between the Foundation and the College, and we hashed it over and made a couple of revisions, and uh, we'll be prepared to bring it to the board for approval next month. In the meantime, um, when Carolee gets a chance, it will be put online for all of us to be able to review, so we'll be able to discuss it next month under an action item. Has our board attorney reviewed it? If not, not yet. Is she, will she be reviewing That's it? That's the plan. We got twelve point three. The trustee reports. Taken on any of these items in the trustee report at this time. I'll turn it over to our student trustee Gabriel. You go first today. Not very long, but um, twenty-one units is quite difficult. Um, starting right now. Uh, we warned you. Yeah. So I was thinking of adding another three, but. Doesn't seem like a possibility anymore. Um, uh, just wanted to let the board know that um, ASNVC is looking into pursuing new benefits to our students. Um, don't want to spill the beans yet uh, until we actually get a meeting with the department chair. Or, um, but I will probably let you know within the next meeting. Um, I'm sitting on the or I'm. Currently, the chair of the voting, sorry, the voter registration drive on ASNBC. So, look forward to that next month. Um, other than that, in, can I ask him a question? In relation sure. to that, have you uh, had any contact with League of Women Voters? They've got an active group in town. We have not, but I believe you might have. Somebody might have sent me an email. I did. Been you? Yeah. Um, I'll look back into that, but sure, we'll get back in contact with them. Um, be a good resource for you because they're sure. real experienced in voter registration. Thank you. They are reaching out to Elani uh, Tem, the president of the ASNBC, the League of Women Voters. Is yeah. Trustee Kyle, I missed last month's board meeting. It was tough, and wish I could have been here. And I did meet with Arnold Cohen this week, and that was a really good meeting. I think he's got a great group on campus. 
Dr. Kraft, you've met with him. I would encourage some of the other trustees to meet with him. He's, it's the, uh, forgive me if I get it wrong, it's the Senior Alliance for Education, Napa County. And they have a club on campus, and they're also forming an alliance outside of the college. But some really good work towards elder abuse, uh, adult education, senior education, so good things. Uh, kind of a national topic right now, too. So. And that's it for my report. Oh, thank you for everybody that sent cards and notes for the month of January on my dad's passing. I appreciate that. So Thank you. Trustee Amy. Um, first, I just want to say I'm really, there's some exciting partnerships happening between Napa Valley College and the high schools. Um, and it just, it's just growing and growing. And it's, it's, yeah, there's never been anything like this before. Not just in terms of, you know, we're all offering a single class, I think, on our campus now. But more than that, we, every year we have a, a counsel, high school counseling um, luncheon. It's focused on CTE. Um, and last year, for the first time, uh, there were some people from Napa Valley College, um, from the counseling department, as well as Rebecca Scott, um, and they were they were present. But this year, they were there, and they were kind of the focus. Um, some of NVUSD staff made presentations, but I would say the bulk of the presentations were by NBC staff um, to us, and so they played a central role. Um, and yesterday we also had a meeting here um, between high school administrators and NBC. And so there's just a lot of exciting partnerships happening as far as um, dual enrollment, uh, creating career pathways uh, on high school campuses where they can earn both high school and college credit. Um, and the focus is, you know, in the past, well, they, they described, you know, like a sprinkling of courses, like a course here, a course there. But what they really want to create is kind of pathways of courses. So maybe two or three courses that are aligned on a high school campus. Um, as well as offering the remedial courses um, on high school campuses before the students get to college um, to try to avoid all that remediation once they get here, which a lot of causes a lot of students to drop out um, out of frustration and just because of the cost. So that's kind of the focus is, um, you know, offering those career pathways on campuses, but they also really focused on offering those remedial courses, but in their, starting in their junior year, their senior year, so that by the time they get here, they're ready to go. Um, so that was, that was great. Um, also, let's see. Oh, at the last meeting we had the county presentation and, um, I thought that was very good. I, we didn't really have a chance to talk about what it meant to Napa Valley College. Um, but I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody. Obviously we need to do more, um, more outreach to the Latino population, um, you know, I noticed I did get a mailer in both English and Spanish not too long ago, which was great. Um, see an expansion of that um and also um the housing issue they brought that up and i know part of the campus master plan is um to include on-campus housing possibly for faculty um and maybe um you know out of state or international students i think that's a great idea i support that um i think that could be a great way to attract faculty we're having a hard time getting faculty to come here um, because of the cost of living here relative to the salary and I think that could be a way to attract quality um, faculty. Um, so that's, was that, those were my takeaways from that presentation. Um, and then lastly, I do want to address um, what Trustee Busenbark said, because the last meeting, I don't think I was disrespectful to Carolee. It wasn't about Carolee. It was about the way a position was created 
Um, and so I, I want to talk about that for a second. I, I just generally have a concern about um, human resources, reorgs, and positions being created through all staff emails and personnel documents. And um, I don't know, we talked about having a human resources plan at some point. I think that's a great idea. But also, in terms of the creation of new positions, um, to, at today's meeting, we had to do a resolution to eliminate positions. So I'm, I guess what I'm wondering is why there's not a process for approving new positions. Um, and I actually talked to a friend of mine who, uh, he's on a, a school board, um, and he said that their process is basically that it does new positions do get approved. Their new positions are written up, a job description's written up. It's brought into the board. It's brought to the board. It's approved, um, and then it's opened up and you know to everybody to apply for. So um, anyway, I just want to put out there that you know just as we you know eliminate positions, it would be great if there was some process um, to have the board approve new positions. You know the job description and so forth and have it opened up for everybody to apply. Thank you. Trustee Joanne. Well, we do have a very good process, but that's okay. I, I find it interesting. I don't think it matters much whether you think you were disrespectful or not. It matters more how Carol, well, how you made Carol Lee feel. That's what it's about, not just you. Um, I worked the info table, which probably this is my 40th year. I didn't keep track. It's always so fascinating to see brand new students who've never been on the campus before. And um, with the building numbers changed, it's challenging for those of us that didn't learn the number change. But anyway, it just uh, reminds me of, uh, you know, why I do what I do. Uh, the housing, I, you know, I mentioned to you, uh, my sitting with the group I sit with, they turn and say, is the college interested in public-private partnerships? And I say, yes. And then, I'm bring, and then I bring that back to you. So I have said that we are, and I think you know, uh, Ron has indicated similarly. But uh, the fact that, that we're at the table when it comes to the housing issue because you know, the two, Napa Valley Unified and us, are major uh, contributors to uh, staffing that that uh, that needs housing. Um, the other thing, and I, I had a conversation with Amanda during the break with this. April is arts, <clears throat> uh, art in April, uh, so it's it's celebration of the arts. Um, and uh, some time ago, the uh, uh, I talked with Gordon Huther, who has studio here in town about he was raised here and uh, it's like you know uh, this is the entry to Napa and uh, you know you're a good citizen that you are and uh, approached him about uh, loaning us a piece that might be placed uh, at the roundabout uh, just something that uh, well I, I have no idea you know what it would look like and so then, since then, uh, Robert Millay, who teaches in psych tech, contacted me during the time I was working the information table. He's got this, he's working with some students to create this, uh, and with the welding department, it says, we love wine. Uh, so it's a metal you know, sign. So um, I, I then had a conversation with Gabe and Raphael, who is the senator for art, 
if they'd be interested in in uh, some conversation related to that. I'm not fully comfortable uh, without this board saying, you know what, let's explore that. So I guess that's what I'm asking you uh, and giving you that little bit of information if this is something that would be good for us to continue to explore. And uh, let Amanda respond. I did have conversation with her. I would ask that um, if there was a proposal put forward that it be brought to the facilities committee so that there would be I, I'm assuming there's oh he's not here classified on there I just so that there would be a place that we have um, representation from constituent groups to weigh in that's yeah, if I could just add in the path that when we checked this last time it was about a year and a half ago with Gordon it, it, that's exactly where it ended up, and the facilities committee was really happy to take that on, so they felt really good about it. Great natural place. The uh, uh, the other idea that when you and I talked to Gordon was to uh, create, involve students in on uh, creating uh, uh, their own art and creating a, a venue, someplace where we could showcase that. So are you okay with my continuing to work on this, or no? I'm just asking for a, you know, a straw vote, so to speak, whether I should... <clears throat> no straw vote. Okay, that's good enough. I, I, throw the, I throw the concern in there that um, since Gordon either tends to be a, a fairly popular artist in the community that we look into supporting smaller artists or looking into different um, yeah, different artists that um, get sculptures up. Because I, I know some good sculpture artists that are part of an art collective downtown called Slack Collective, um, and I'm sure they'd be thrilled to work with that. But, um, yeah, uh, just that recommendation would be great because yeah. I see a lot of his work. Trustee Marianne. A lot has been happening in American Canyon. Went to the uh, chamber installation dinner. Ron attended. Ron and Janine both attended that as well. Who else? Mary Cervantes was there from... Who else? There were others. Oh, Michael. Yes. <laughs> How could I forget Michael? And, and Berta. Yes. And um, that was a great event. Uh, the really, really good event was the State of the City um, of American Canyon. And uh, Ron also attended that. And I think that same group, right, Mary and Berta, were there as well. And uh, one of the uh, positive mentions that we got was uh, Keith Caldwell, Supervisor Caldwell, stood up and talked about, uh, you know, the new jail and uh, they're kind of moving away from, you know, going out for a bond on that, but talking about other funding sources. But he did mention Napa Valley College uh, as a resource for the training because they hope the facility to be more of a uh, facility for retraining and uh, education of incarcerated folks. So um, so that was all real positive and talked about 
you know, the business community. He talked about the business community and, uh, you know, the buy-in that's there uh, for also employment, potential employment. So it's all real good, a real positive direction that we need to be going. And then Ron and I both spoke to, going back to kind of what Joanne was just talking about, we spoke to Mark Joseph, who is the president of the American Canyon Arts Council, and he uh, is interested in collaborating with the college. And uh, there was one effort that has to do with um, art out in the wetlands and, uh, and having it, you know, represent the environment. So I think there's still some conversations that you're going to have. You're going to meet with Mark or something to That's right. follow yeah. up. Yeah, and I, I think the, 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 the piece of that is that, that there's so much room for great art, sculpture. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. rather than the roundabout, there's another thousand spots. You know, so it's exciting, and I think that Napa's turning to kind of art Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in public spaces, and, and uh, that's a very exciting. Well, what's exciting is everybody's turning to Napa Valley College. Everybody wants to talk to us about it and our arts programs. So um, so the more we can be out in the community and be hearing these things and then bringing them back to the college and directing them to the right people to make things happen, I think is really important. Uh, This morning, my last American Canyon report, uh, we have a, it's affiliated with the chamber, but it's called our Government Affairs Committee, and that consists of elected (laughs) officials as well as key business people around the community. And one of the things that came out of it that I thought was really interesting, um, there's, there's a couple of developers, Buzz Butler, do you know Buzz Butler? Buzz and uh, Michael Holcomb, and uh, they were both in attendance, as well as uh, a key person over at Coca-Cola back in the Green Island Road area. And, you know, they they look at everything economic kind of rises from education. And so having the demographics from, you know, the... K through 12 system as well as, you know, here kind of tells them what's going to happen with the economy, you know, and where it's going to go from there. So, uh, so some great data came, came out of that. A lot of wonderful initiatives that we talked about that are in the pipeline. And, um, and I'm just real happy to make sure that I'm there and at the table listening to, uh, to everything they have to say. And, oh, and the other thing is that we're going to have our meeting in May, our Government Affairs Committee meeting in May, at the high school in front of students. So it would be just like us conducting this meeting, but we're going to be conducting a meeting with the theater full of students. Um, And so they can understand how government works and and, uh, get involved in the debate. Oh yes, there are, there are some uh, some condos or apartments or something. It's uh, that's going up there. It's not a hotel. Yes. Yeah. 
apartments. Okay. Thank you. Daniel, Trustee Daniel. Well, hopefully that doesn't drive the students away from government service when they observe the committee meeting. But we'll see. <laughs> um, let's see, I don't remember if I reported this last month or not. I'm trying to I kind of forget the time frame, but I worked one of... No, I think I'm fine with that. Well, Jeff, could you play back the uh, tape from last <laughs> I um I worked one of the the tables for the welcome back thing for the new semester. That I've done that a couple times. That's a lot of fun. I went to uh, Central Labor Council candidate forum for uh, what they did. It wasn't a um, wasn't an endorsement thing. It was they wanted to talk to people that are going to run for office to let them know what their issues are. So. It was interesting, and then we'll call back later for interviews for endorsements. Um, the Vine Trail, we've talked a lot about that, and now, as we all know, there's a trail that will lead from downtown Napa seamlessly to the college. Well, I put that to the test today and rode my bike to the college, and it, it's great. It's it's safe, except for crossing Jefferson. It was It's... It was uh, perfectly safe. It was nice and smooth and straight. And uh, I, I live out in Browns Valley, and I timed it. It's 45 minutes from my house to the college, so that means from downtown it's about 20 minutes. And uh, I would like to suggest to the facilities committee that they add more uh, bike racks with uh, lockable things and really promote it to the students to uh, ride their bikes, especially at the beginning of each semester. When there's uh, very limited parking, it's green, obviously. It's great exercise. And uh, even, well, not just for students, but faculty who already has all their stuff in the classroom, so they don't need to haul it in. And uh, I, it, it was great. It was fun. It was interesting seeing some of the parts behind buildings in Napa that you don't get to see. But from the pedestrian bridge across the freeway, basically from California Avenue to Soskull, it's the, the path parallels the railroad tracks, and it's fenced and safe. It's, it's really a nice ride. So It's doable. If a 63-year-old man can do it, then an 18-year-old healthy student can do it. We got Raphael. Yes, well, I, I don't have a lot to report, but I do have some a couple of comments. Um, been talking a lot about planning, a lot of different types of planning, um, and looking at, you know, the park master plan and hearing about the Gasser Foundation and what they're interested in doing. I really appreciated um, Jeff Farmer's comment when he kind of put his black hat back on and was looking at the, the park plan and pointed out the effects that it could have on the college, you know, some negative effects and how we need to keep that in mind. And kind of on a bigger scale, I think something that we need to think about and that it's very important for us to try to, you know, get our plans completed, especially, you know, our master plan for our facilities and our, our, the property here 
because all of the stuff that's going on, and pretty soon we're going to be in a position of only responding to what's happening around us instead of directing what is happening, what we want to happen, you know, on our property here. So I, I think that's something that we need to think about. We need to um, really try to get those things done, those plans, so that we're having the influence that we need to have so we have the things on our campus that we want as opposed to responding to what's happening outside of the campus and at that point not being able to have exactly you know what we might need or want. So I think that's something to, to keep in mind and for us to hopefully help drive us along to get these plans completed. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, I, ha I happen to uh, meet the one of the commissioners on accreditation of allied health education programs. That's a nationwide uh, commission. And he was right here in Napa, and he gave kudos to the paramedic program here and said, uh, and extended to me, and I have his name, contact information. He said, anything you need, you let, let him know. So the... I'll, I'll be more than happy to bubble that up to him or give you the contact information and so on and so forth. Uh, he was, uh, um, and he was with about 12 others, and uh, they had nothing but, but good, uh, good, good thoughts, good praise, and, and uh, 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 to him, no. He's trying to get his wallet, though, to purchase. The, uh, the others, uh, those in love and, and seeking love, happy Valentine's Day, uh, happy President's Day. Hopefully that's a nice, wonderful day off. Um, I'll adjourn this meeting honoring uh, Black History Week and Month. Oh, there's one other thing before we go. Is anybody opposed to meeting in St. Helena soon? Maybe when we get the RFI information back, or I don't think Gasser's going to go up there, but. Might make Oscar happy Same as well. Um, we, ha we talked about it, we and did. I don't think we landed on a date. If restaurant, when is restaurant up there? <laughs> May? Wow. Maybe Calistoga. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We, we, we certainly try to do one a, a year. It's been a while now, so we'll... I like that. All right, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Can, can I also make a quick comment? Uh, I'd like to invite everybody to um, associate as students.